Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And on today's podcast are the D-backs offseason winners after the Ketel Marte extension. Sully Baseball and I break down all the biggest winners and losers from the National League after this free agent frenzy next. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. As I mentioned in the open, we are breaking down the biggest winners and losers after the offseason frenzy. We're just discussing the National League. Check out yesterday's podcast for the American League. We're talking to Sully Baseball today of Locked On MLB, of course. But before we get into that conversation with Sully Baseball, I first want to give you my thoughts on the Ketel Marte extension because we saw it Sunday afternoon. Ketel Marte, five-year, $76 million contract extension. D-backs fans, it's time to rejoice. We've been hearing for the last couple years, we've had all these damn Yankee fans in our mentions whining and crying because Brian Cashman can't get the deals done in free agency, so they need to come to Mike Hazen. They have to get Cashman on his knees, begging Mike Hazen, please, please, please give us Ketel Marte, but Mike Hazen said, nah, we're not rebuilding. Yeah, we've had a couple down seasons the last two years, no doubt about it, 2020 and 2021. This is not going to be on the plaque of Mike Hazen whenever he retires from the job or quits or gets fired. Whatever happens, he's not going to, the 2020 and the 2021 season are not going to be the first two seasons he mentions or he probably won't even mention. He's probably going to try to sweep it under the rug and probably erase it from history because the D-backs have not been good the last two years, but one man, uh, there's been a couple of players, but Probably the biggest bright spot for the D-backs the last couple seasons. We can argue Zach Allen, but Ketel Marte, what he's been able to do for the D-backs, at least among position players, this has been the bright spot in the lineup because Ketel Marte has been a stud for the D-backs the last three seasons. 2020 was definitely his most down year, but this was someone back in 2019. We've talked about it at nauseum on the pod, but I'll tell you one more time. 329 average, 981 OPS, 32 home runs, 92 RBIs back in 2019. He looked phenomenal, finished fourth in MVP voting. Ketel Marte is someone that is so young, still under 30 years old, going to be 28 years of age, so damn cheap. I never thought it made any sense for the D-backs to trade Ketel Marte, and thankfully, Mike Hazen learned from the mistakes of his past because I thought this could, I thought this was going to be Paul Goldschmidt 2.0 just because the D backs are so bad. Felt like we weren't going anywhere. And realistically, we did have a lot of teams that were interested in Ketel Marte, but 
Mike Hazen said, let me keep my superstar franchise cornerstone that's still under 30 years old and is still not on that big of a contract. And now you look at this contract extension and it's an absolute bargain for someone of the talent of Keta Marte. Five years, $76 million. He had two options after this season, and the D-backs are basically guaranteeing those options. It's like $11 million in 2023, like $13 million in 2024, and then they're just tacking on three years of $51, $52 million on to the two club options that the D-backs are fully guaranteeing. So now, five years, $76 million extension, you say, that's only $15 million per year, but all the D-backs are doing are guaranteeing the two options that they would have picked up. So really, the new money begins in 2025. So I thought a fun exercise would be to look at some of the players that are getting paid in 2025. You could go on Track. You could put the year 2025. You can see players that are making more than Ketel Marte in 2025 to really illustrate how much of a bargain it is that the D-backs got Ketel Marte for because he's basically going to make $17.3 million from 2025 to 2027. And here are some players that are making more money than Ketel Marte in the year 2025. How about... Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is actually getting paid a lot by the Tigers in 2025. He's going to be making $30 million a year at the age of 42. You're going to have someone like Robbie Ray, former D-back, making $25 million a year in 2025. Uh, Yoan Moncada is expected to make $25 million. Javier Baez, JT Romuto. These are all guys making more than Ketel Marte in 2025. And currently, Ketel Marte's contract wouldn't even put him in the top 30 baseball contracts among players in that season in 2025. Ketel Marte's contract won't even be among the top 30 baseball players. Just think about how insane that is. And when you look at some of his stats from last season, I know we brought up the 2019 fourth place finish in MVP voting, but even if we look at his numbers from 2021, just last season, 318 average, 909 OPS, 14 home runs, and he did all that in just 90 games. He had a 139 WRC+. Guess what? Do you know where Ketel Marte would have ranked among all position players last season in WRC+, if he qualified? He would have been tied with Brandon Crawford at 15th with a 139 WRC plus among all position players. For context, Marcus Simeon, who is considered maybe the best offensive second baseman in baseball, when Ketel Marte is not healthy, he had a WRC plus, I think of 131. He was like 30th in all of baseball. And if you just had to compare Ketel Marte to Marcus Simeon offensively using stat cast numbers, well, average exit velocity, Ketel Marte is in the 82nd percentile. Marcus Simeon is in the 59th percentile. If you look at expected batting average, Ketel Marte, 98th percentile. You got Marcus Simeon in the 35th percentile. Hard hit percentage, Ketel Marte is in the 86th percentile. You got Marcus Simeon in the 52nd percentile. So Ketel Marte, he's going to be making about half the money Marcus Simeon is making in 2025, but he's giving you nearly identical production for just half the price Ketel Marte, a true superstar player. I don't know why he signed this deal, but shout out to Mike Hazen for getting this deal done. Thank you for not trading another cornerstone player. Thank you for wising up and realizing this guy is too young and he's too damn good to trade. I don't think we would have got the proper return in value. And now you say he's going to be on arguably the best contract in Major League Baseball for how good his talents are. This guy could legitimately win an MVP 
and make less than $20 million doing it. Shout out Mike Hazen. Shout out Ketel Marte for getting this deal done. Now let's talk to Sully Baseball about the winners and losers from the National League after this year's free agent frenzy. It's time for another crossover. We're going to be talking about winners and losers of the National League. This is Locked On MLB crossing over with Locked On Diamondbacks. Let's have some fun. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Locked On MLB Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. Where we're going to be breaking down today the winners and the losers of the National League going into the 2022 season. I'm one of your hosts, Paul Francis Sullivan. Right there, you can tell me, please, please call me Sully. Uh, right over there, for those of you watching me on the YouTubes, there we have my illustrious other host. I don't want to say co-host because we're hosting this together. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at his left to right, heck, he'd get top billing. That's Miller wow. Thomas from hey. Lockdown Dimex. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, sir. I mean, we just recorded that AL episode like mm-hmm. 10 minutes ago. A little sneak behind the curtain for the listeners. So I'm doing yeah. good. I think Still doing fact, good. I think the fact that we're wearing the exact same clothes uh, as yesterday shows that either we're really good at laundry or we're banking two episodes today. But there's a lot to talk about here. By the way, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen, as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. Hey, Miller, where can people follow you? Hey, Sully, at CreatorTimes24 for my personal account on Twitter, or just search Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. All right, cool. Well, look, at we're gonna be th- yesterday we talked about some of the winners and losers of the American League. Uh, the National League is a little more cut and dry than the American League, in my opinion, is that there are so many teams that are like on the cusp in the American League. Even some of the teams that are bottom feeders, suddenly the Rangers got an influx of talent. Suddenly the, the Twins could have a t- big turnaround. Even the Tigers, who acquired Eduardo Rodriguez mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Baez. And by the second half of last year, actually, the Tigers were pretty good. You know, they had a good second half last year. So uh, you could easily see surprise teams in the American League, especially like the the in the Central. The White Sox are expected to win the division again, but they're not a powerhouse, and they actually had a very quiet offseason. So th- there's a ton of parity in the American League. The National League is a little easier to define because there's so many terrible teams and a couple of really great teams. And so there's a lot of teams that have very clear windows of opportunity now that are should be going for it now. And other teams who are looking around going like, hey, nope, nope, not going to happen this year, which brings us to the Diamondbacks. Hey, oh, um, we're talking D-backs. Okay. Oh, right. sorry. I, I didn't mean to throw the first punch right there. But actually, let's talk a little bit about uh, teams that uh, that came out ahead in this offseason. Who do you think? Uh, I know that the uh, uh, the Diamondbacks decided to not trade Cattell Marte. That's right. And I think that's smart. You know, I think that there's, uh, you know, that. I think there's some talent on their team, even though they lost 110 games last year. Hey, hey. Uh, um, no, but I think that they're they're building something there, and maybe not automatically trade your best player for for parts. But what what teams do you think had the best off seasons and did the best work? 
Yeah, well, since you brought them up, I'm going to just finish the D-backs point really quickly because I think that was a big win for the D-backs because we've seen a lot the last couple off-seasons with teams getting off their star player, trading them for, you know, not very good, uh, you know, return values. But the D-backs did not do that. Actually, there's a report yesterday that they're starting contract extension talk. So that is exactly what I want to hear as the D-backs, you know, locked on podcast host, because I've been saying for a long time, the D-backs should not trade Keto Marte. He's too good. He's too damn young and he's too cheap to move him. So I like what the D-backs are doing there. And we added Mark the Shark Melanson from the San Diego Padres, all-star closer. We added Ian Kennedy, old friend alert. So I like what the D-backs are doing this offseason, Jordan Luplo trade. So I just want to get the D-backs in there as a small, small, small little winner this offseason. But Overall, big winner. I'm going to start with the New York Mets who added a huge, uh, who added a whole bunch of talent this offseason. Now, they did lose some people like a Noah Syndergaard, which kind of hurts a homegrown kind of guy. But you added an uh, old friend in Eduardo Escobar and Starling Marte, who I thought was the mm-hmm. D-backs best player during the 2020 season. Don't even get me started on that, which we still had him. You added Mark Canna, too. And, of course, you added the big Ish, maybe the number one prize pitcher during this free agency period in Max Scherzer. You pair him with Jacob deGrom. And even though Scherzer's like 40 years old, he's still one of the five best pitchers in baseball. So to pair him with deGrom, their lineup is deep. I like that Mets team overall. And when I look at that Subway series and coming out this offseason right now, I think I'm going to have the Mets as the team to beat in New York for, you know, the, the crown of the best baseball team in New York. And they think of Bassett as well from Oakland. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, uh, going back on yesterday's episode, we bring up the Angels. Hey, Angels, why didn't you make a run at Scherzer and Bassett? But anyway, uh, enough about the wasting of the prime of the Mike Trout. Uh, the Mets also brought in Buck Showalter to be yeah. the manager of the team. Uh, the Mets are acting like it's the end of the Godfather right now. They're trying to take care of all family business, and they're just. <laughs> They're just unloading, and they know there come several points in the Mets history where they have a legit shot of winning over the casual fans from New York from the Yankees. It's happened a couple of times in their history, and they see an opportunity has come now. That opportunity also came up in the mid-2000s, and it got squandered. Now, they made some big moves, including the acquisition of Johan Santana to try to clinch that, but... In the end, they couldn't get over the hump and win that title. And the Yankees did in 2009 and turned to another decade where the Yankees took control over the casual fandom of of New York sports. I remember in the 80s, the city of New York was a Mets city. In the late 60s, mid 70s, it was a Mets first city. And so there's an opportunity to do that again, especially with the Yankees being... Good, but I don't think anyone's picking them to win the pennant. I don't think anyone sees them as, you know, unless there's just so much parity in the American League. But the Mets can clearly be the better team. Now, they fell apart last September. Yeah. And kind of like San Diego, who also have a similar, we're going to go all in, and they brought in the big veteran uh, manager, Bob Melvin. Uh, San Diego and the Mets have very similar uh, sort of levels of frustration for their fan base, and they want to end it. They want to end it now. It wouldn't stun me if the NLCS turned out to be Mets versus the Padres, and that would be a wonderful uh, 
underrated, miserable fandom locking horns of the NLCS. I've loved every move the Mets have made because every move they've made has been an aggressive. We want to actually win this thing. Now, they may not all work out, but I like how aggressive they've been, especially because they were in first place for a gigantic chunk of last year. And they saw the team that overtook them have a parade. They're mad. Mets fans are furious. And the ownership wants to say, all right, this ends now. It's not that dissimilar to what the new ownership of the Red Sox did, especially after the Aaron Boone home run, where they're like, okay, all right, we're just everything. We're going to fire everything to try to win right now. And I I like that attitude. It's not bad. But there's another team that is standing in their way, another big market team that didn't win the division last year, lest we forget, but is uh, has images of another pennant dancing in their head, and that is Scherzer's old team. It was his old team for about an hour and a half. The Dodgers. And I think bringing in Freddie Freeman and bringing back Clayton Kershaw and having pulled off the trade that everyone remembers we brought in Scherzer but it also brought in Trey Turner, which allowed them to sacrifice Corey Seager. I think their lineup with having, if you you, know, you can move Muncie to second base, you know, if you have anything resembling a bounce back season from uh, Bellinger, you have Betts, you still have Turner, still have, you know, both Turners. I mean, this is a tremendous lineup that they have. And, um, uh, I think the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are going to win 100 games. Oh yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think that's a hot take at this point. Saying the Dodgers, I mean, how many how many years in a row have they won 100 games? It feels like yeah. 20 years 20 years in a row. Uh, real quick on the Mets point, uh, I love the Buck Showalter signing just because the, I love to put on Yankees podcasts right after they come off like a five game road losing streak. I love to hear Yankees misery. So what they always do the fire Aaron Boone, fire Aaron Boone, and Buck Showalter is like the number one guy Yankees fans want to bring in. So the fact that the Mets. Brought in Buck Showalter when Yankees fans are going crazy and want to fire in Boone and bring in Showalter. I thought that was just great. Showalter said all the right things about being progressive in the year of 2022, even though he's an old guy. So I love that the Mets did that. Lindor needs to pick it up, though, because that has not been a great acquisition so far. But the Dodgers lineup, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely sacked. I don't think there's much we have to say about that. They did lose some key uh, bullpen pieces in Cameron Jansen and Joe Kelly, but they're also getting back some healthy pieces in like Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin's coming back. Back. So overall, I mean, they're going to be so stacked. It's all right. They're going to be. And let me just say this about, about Kenley Jansen. Again, I'm not going to besmirch. He's had a wonderful career. He blew a ton of big games for LA last year. He came up small in a lot of big moments. And when relievers flame out, they flame out hard. When a reliever, you can go from the elite Rolades reliever award type player to being DFA'd really, really fast, faster than you can say Jonathan Papelbon, faster than you can say. I mean, think about people who are the top closer one year, and then two years later, they're a setup man with an ERA over five. It happens so fast. The fact that Kenley Jansen has been so good for so long, you just go like, do you know what? You were better off. They got so many great years out of him, a World Series title with him in the bullpen. He's also blown a bunch of big postseason games for them over the years, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, if I'm a Dodger fan, I say thank you for your service. He gave you a decade of, of good pitching. 
uh, and let him break down on someone else's dime. And he's breaking. He he's going to be playing for Atlanta uh, for this upcoming season. Now, lest we forget, the Dodgers did not win the division last year. San Francisco won the division last year. Yeah. Now they lost Gosman. They signed Carlos Rodon. Um, but one of the big big pieces is gone, and that's Buster Posey. Huge. Now, the way that the analytics department put together the team, they played so much better than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give that credit to Gabe Kapler, who was a, who was not the sharpest knife in the drawer when he was the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. And he comes over to San Francisco, and he's the second coming of Earl Weaver, John McGraw, and Tom Lasorda wrapped in one. I'm going to give more of that credit to the analytics department who put together this team in the lineup. but losing Posey that's a that's a huge chunk and it's not too dissimilar to the Astros losing Carlos Correa so I mean I'm not I know we're not supposed to talk about losers at this point because I actually think the Giants are still going to be a very very good team uh you don't go from 107 wins to not being a good team the next year I think they're gonna be a very good team this year but I do think this is LA's division to win and in so many ways, it's a show, a potential showdown between Los Angeles and New York uh, for the NLCS if, 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 if Scherzer and DeGrom stay healthy. Yeah, the Giants, they lost some really key pieces. Like you said, Posey, Gosman is gone. They did replace him with Carlos Rondon. I think the Giants' mm-hmm. philosophy right now is not to overpay. They don't want to go long-term over $100 million on pitchers. We'll see with Carlos Rondon. I think he has an opt-out after his first or second year in that deal. So he might be another guy. If he has like an all-star level type year, they might just let him walk in free agency again, or maybe they try to trade him next season. So I'll be curious to see what happens with that. But they also lost Chris Bryant to the Colorado Rockies. Like, That's right. I am a little scared that they're – could be some regression to the mean for this Giants team because like you said it just felt like when you look at the collection of talent on paper this should not be a team that won 107 games last season but that's exactly what they did I do want to give some credit to Gabe Kapler because I do go back and look at those two Phillies teams they were 80 plus wins both years and if you look at the talent Sully look at the talent it was not very good those two years so shout out Gabe Kapler I believe in you dog don't let the Sully slander bring you down big homie but uh for the for the team by the way keep in mind keep in mind Gabe Kapler was a member of the 2004 Red Sox so you would think he would walk on water in my opinion so just just saying but so was so was Dave Roberts for that matter who just signed a long-term deal and he got some serious greens for his athletic work and hey because we're going to be talking about athletic greens. Is there anything you want to talk to us about? Wanna, yeah. that, tell Let me tell you, Sully. Let me tell you, Sully, about our next partner, because our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because, you know, I'm trying to be a little healthy guy, Sully. I'm trying to get my health fitness on. I'm trying to just better my life, empower my life. And to do that, I need to be in the gym, need to eat healthier and athletic greens helps me out with that. So what is this stuff? What is Athletic Greens? What am I talking about? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. So please go get Athletic Greens because it's a life, it's lifestyle friendly, Sully. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, 
Athletic Greens fits all your needs. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than you than that cold brew habit that you have. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Sully, I know you're dealing with allergies, so this is perfect for you. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back to you, Sully. And by the way, I want to thank everyone for making Locked On MLB and Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Your third listen should be Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, let's talk a little bit about some of the disappointing teams in this year's offseason. I'm going to say a blanket one right now. Okay. Uh, because instead of a team, I'm just going to say a division. Ooh. The National League Central seemed to stand pat. Now, the weirdest thing that happened in the entire offseason was that the St. Louis Cardinals went on that massive winning streak where they went from third or fourth in the wild card to making it to the wild card game and taking it to the bottom of the ninth tide. And Mike Schilt, who won the manager of the year in 2019, was rewarded for his efforts by being fired. And Oliver Mormo became the new manager of the Cardinals. By the way, whenever I kept hearing uh, Aaron Boone defenders say, well, if you're going to fire Boone, who are you going to replace him with? Okay, um, uh, Mike Schilt won manager of the year a couple of years ago. He, he, he's a young showalter. Apparently, Bob Melvin was available. Um, you know, and I always brought up the, the Trinity from, of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, uh, Hensley Mullins, Ron Wotus, and Roberto Kelly, who were on the coaching staff of three World Series titles. Uh, yeah, right there. That's just off the top of my head. But uh, when you take a look, like the, the Reds went on a fire sale. The Pirates can't even afford to get athletic greens. Um, the Cubs... Like, they got Wade Miley, but they didn't really do anything big. I mean, they got Suzuki they got for $85 Stroman. Million, uh from Japan. But, um, Stroman? you know, Stroman, but the Cubs aren't ready to be. But then again, no. this division's so weird. I mean, the, the Brewers uh, acquired Renfro. McCutcheon. Uh, and, Mc, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the the Reds have traded everything but the retired number of Johnny Bench. And so, you know, especially when you take a look at, you know, some of the teams like the Pirates have, you know, such a low payroll. If they had a mediocre payroll, you think maybe they have a shot. I mean, I'm picking the Cardinals to win the division. The Brewers could very well win the division again, too. I think it's kind of a coin flip between the two of them. But neither one of them did anything in the offseason to take the reins. And you would think that if they saw if those two teams specifically, because the Cubs aren't there yet, Pirates and Reds are rebuilding. 
So this is really between Milwaukee and St. Louis. And if I'm Milwaukee, who the city of Milwaukee's not had a World Series title since 1957 when the Braves were there, and the Cardinals have put together, you know, have poached the the, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks for their all-star infield right now. Sad. And, you know, they have an opportunity to be, to win a championship this decade, to have three straight decades with a title. Um you would think there'd be a really, really big push for one of them to make a big deal and get ahead. And neither of them did. And I mean, I think 90, 91 wins will probably win this division. Yeah, I feel like it's probably the Brewers division to lose, but I can't say that confidently. I feel like the division honestly just might come down to Christian Yelich because that guy has not looked like that MVP we saw those first two years in Milwaukee. The Brewers' biggest deficiency is their lineup. They just haven't been able to score enough runs in the postseason. Part of that's because Christian Yelich hasn't looked like that guy. They have legitimately three guys that could win a Cy Young on any team. They could be the number one starter on any team in baseball. And when you have those three guys, plus a Devin Williams, plus a Josh Hader, they have the pitching staff to win a World Series. They just don't put up enough runs to do that. We saw last year in the postseason, they had to make decisions. This is why I need the Universal DH, Sully, because they had to make decisions of whether to keep Freddie Peralta in the game or take him out the game because they had to uh, they had to basically uh, uh, leverage runs versus great pitching once they got to the postseason, and that should never be the case. That should never be a strategy. That's not more fun for baseball. So glad we got the universal DH back in the game. So I feel like it's the Brewers' division to lose. I would have to look up the reports, but isn't Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals expected to like miss the season or not yeah, the like the start of the season? I know he's supposed to miss a big chunk of the year, you know? Yeah, and that's huge for them. He's like their yeah. best pitcher, you know? He's like, I mean, Adam Wainwright, didn't he, like, turn back the clock last season all of a sudden look like a Cy Young award candidate uh, once again? So the Cardinals, I just feel like, I don't know. They have Goldschmidt. They have Arenado. I like their lineup. But their pitching, I think, leaves me a, a little bit to be desired. I feel like Alex Reyes, their closer, uh, came down a little bit in the second half. I just don't think they have enough starters. We saw them at the trade deadline last year go after like the Jake Arrietas and the John Lester's of the world at the deadline. So I feel like they need a little bit more in their well, rotation. Arietta went to Arietta went to San Diego, or he yeah. went to San Diego. Okay, yeah. that's why. But yeah, they got well, John Lester. They got John Lester. Um, Whoever they got, they they were getting past their prime pitchers at the deadline last. But they, year. you know, they finished the season great. Um, you know, I look at. I think it might be. I haven't done my official picks yet. I mean, obviously, Milwaukee has a wonderful pitching staff, and there will always be hitters available at the deadline. Um, I just think that the, one of those two teams should have taken advantage of this offseason to push ahead of the other, and neither of them did. And I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that whole division, and I'm going like, I, I don't, I don't see what they're doing. I, you know, I, why, why are you not taking advantage of this? It, the Brewers. Um, I mean, the Brewers flipped Bradley Jr. for Renfro, which is an improvement in their offense, but yeah. it's a deficiency in their defense. But anyway, I mean, I just think that neither of those teams have, uh, you know, made the right move and made the big move. Um, 
I but the biggest loser, I think the biggest loser for sure, though, is Jeff Carr of Locked On Reds because what the Reds yeah. did this offseason is absolutely criminal with trading yeah. literally everyone from Garrett to Sonny Gray, letting what they, they didn't even pick up the Wade Miley option. He was their best pitcher last season. They just let him go in free agency to another team for no reason. I think the I have to look it up, but it might have been the Chicago Cubs that picked up Wade Miley, actually. So uh, I, I absolutely hate what the Reds have done. And now Ken Griffey Jr. is their sixth highest paid player heading into next season. I'm sh- I'm sorry, Jeff Carr. I feel bad for you, and I feel bad for Reds Nation out there. I feel, I feel weird what's going on in Philadelphia. You don't you like know, it? I mean, it um, it's going to be fun. Any team that has yeah. Castellanos and Schwarber. Schwarber. And, and – uh, and um, Bryce Harper is obviously going to be a lot of fun, but I just I, I still don't see them having the talent to be a legitimate pennant contender and and have the arms. Um, you know, um, I mean, I I, li- I like the front line of the rotation Wheeler and Aaron Nola. I think the back end of their bullpen is the biggest issue, but they did add some arms this off season. I'm trying to look it up now, but I know they added a couple of relievers during the off season that should help them out a little bit. They did at least get some stabilizing arms back there. Uh, Hector Neris left, which is not huge, uh, which is not a, a, a great move for them. But they got Corey Nebel coming in, uh, Yuri's Familia too, Brad Hand. So they're bringing in a whole bunch of like maybe a little bit past their prime closers. But at least they they brought in some legit veterans that could help stabilize the back end of that. Well, back. their bullpen was so horrible the last few years that they had to do something. They absolutely had to do something. Hey, we're here with Miller Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks for our crossover, which is normally just for Monday, but it's spilling over to Tuesday right now. Hey, can I tell you what I think is the team that I just have a little bit of an eye out? You and I have already talked about this in a previous show, Sleeper. and I think they've been listening to me. Um, the Marlins extended Alcantara. So they 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 realize, hey, let's keep our pitching staff together. They signed Avisel Garcia. They signed Jorge Soler. What I was saying in the past was they have a, not a great, but a pretty good pitching staff. And and there's certainly some depth in that pitching staff. And if they put a decent lineup, they could be a team that sneaks in. Because think about this for a second. They've... We have your your three division winners, and then how many wild card teams is it now? Is it? It's like it's should be one extra wild card team in each. Okay, card. so it's three. So there's three wild card teams. All right. So let's say we know that some combination of Los Angeles, the Mets, and the Brewers are going to be in, which means Atlanta, and maybe San Diego, maybe St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Maybe San Francisco, maybe the Padres, maybe Arizona, maybe Arizona. Hey. But if there's that spot that's open and one of those teams, those veteran teams collapse, kind of like the Mets and the Padres did last year, a team with good pitching and decent hitting could sneak in. And what team is better described that way? Than your Miami Marlins. Well, maybe not yours, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. I don't claim them. You don't claim them. Um, I think they're an interesting team to watch. I think they're gonna have a winning season. I think they're I think they're an 83-84 win team. That may be not enough to be one of the wild card teams, but it may be. 
And it may be a situation where if they're getting down the stretch, a bat here or a bat there, you know, at the deadline, especially someone with a uh, an expiring contract. So when, and I heard that Correa was going to be willing to sign for a one-year deal. I thought, well, why not go to Miami for one year? That would be nice. You know? Yeah, I don't, their biggest flaw is their offense. I don't know why they keep trading away like these quality bats like the Adam Duvalls and they traded, you know, their three all-star outfielders a few years ago because, like you said, I think they could potentially have a top five rotation in baseball next season. I mean, Alcantara, Rogers, Pablo Lopez, and you got Jesus Lazardo, who is still very young, coming off a tough season, and he's looked yeah. phenomenal this spring training. So their bullpen was great last season, too. So from a pitching staff perspective, I think they got that down pat. You just That's need cool. their offensive players to take a step up. Jazz Chisholm, the, the former top prospect from the D-backs, I like him a lot. He seems mm-hmm. like he has 20-20, maybe 30-30 potential. Asus Aguilar uh, is pretty good as well. Um, I think they just need to keep adding quality bats, guys who don't suck, like the Jorge Solares. They don't hey. need to go out there and get all-star, superstar-level outfielders, no. but they could bring in like the Adam Duvalls like they had last year on the team. Just those tier of the, the, the that tier of player is what they need to bring in. High quality, above average players who are not superstars, who are not breaking your bank because they just need to add some quality talent in their lineup. And they're, they will be right there as at least a playoff contender, if not a World Series contender. I totally agree with you. I'm going to show the one who made the point. So we agree with each yeah. other. Hey, look at that. <clears throat> um, my, I haven't made my official picks. Um, my way next too early. Week. Yeah, I'm going to make my official picks next week, but I'm leaning towards a Toronto Los Angeles world series. Dodgers, Dodgers, Blue Jays. Um, blue, blue. The, the American league is a lot easier or a lot harder to pick because of the parody. Um, I just think the Dodgers are the team to beat uh, in the National League. And until I find that someone is better than them, I'm just going to keep picking them. But would you take anyone out the AL East to make it to the World Series? Are the AL East? I mean, the Blue Jays. But I'm saying like, okay, my better question, maybe the better way to frame it is, do you think there's anyone outside the AL East that will come out of the conference? Yes, because I don't think there's there's any teams that's – like the heads and shoulders superpower. You know, if the White Sox had a hot, like look at the Red Sox nearly won the pennant last year with that flawed team, you know, they, mm-hmm. because they got hot for a week and a half. And, you know, they knocked out the Rays who were heads and shoulders better than them, but they won. They, they had three come from behind games. You know, I mean that, and if you tell me that the White Sox get hot for a couple of weeks, yeah, they can do it. You want to tell me that Seattle or Minnesota gets hot? Or Houston makes it back to the playoffs and suddenly they remember how to win. Or hell, the Yankees, the Rays, the Red Sox, any one of those teams could have a hot couple of weeks. I think the Blue Jays right now have the talent that I'm most confident with in the American League. But they're not a super team. There's no team that I said, this is the team to beat unless otherwise notified. Mm-hmm. They have that in the National League. They're called the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. They might and be the so, only super team. Yeah. And so, you know, they were the team to beat, and the Braves had to beat them last year. They were the team to beat in 2019, and the Nationals had to beat them. You know, if you want to win the World Series, you have to beat the Dodgers. Basically. At some point. And so, um, and I stand by that. I think that's not a very brave pick, no pun intended, for last year's uh, World Series champion. But, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I could say, well, pick someone other than, 
Los Angeles. I don't say the Mets, but I, I don't. I think it's going to be L.A. Do you and think Belly's I, done? Uh, I don't think Belly's done. I think he's done as an MVP candidate. But I think yeah. he's going to come back and be a decent player. I mean, the numbers off this spring training. I mean, I know we're not supposed to take anything off spring training, but it's like 14 strikeouts and like 19 at-bats. Like, it, it's yeah. bad right now. It's, it's bad. bad. Um, he could turn it around. I think his days of being an elite player are over. Yeah. Um, but I think he could probably – he could find a role. I mean, he may become a role player. You know, I mean, I feel like you might because you got Chris Taylor, Pollock, and Mookie Betts. Like that could just be three players better than him in the outfield right now. Right, and that could which is crazy well to think about. But that also could wind up being how he fits in with the team. Mm-hmm. That you know, he has enough goodwill built into the team, winning an MVP and del- helping deliver a World Series title, to be able to say, okay, you, this is your role with the team now. And you know, he may not like that, but maybe you know, the Dodgers can hide that. Yeah, they can afford to hide a hide a twenty eight year old MVP who might mm-hmm. be your fourth best outfielder. That's right. insane. That's one of the reasons why I think that you know that that won't be a distraction for the team because they'll still have three quality outfielders. So I think I think the Dodgers, and I think and I just picked Toronto because I like their talent, but uh, you know, I, it's funny. I'm not an Angels fan, but part of me really wants to see the Angels in the World Series because I want to have our Mike Trout moment. Uh, I have such a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners that I'm dying for them as the Mariners are now the only franchise to never win a pennant. Wow. Okay. Every other franchise has won a pennant except Seattle. And so um, I would like to see the Mariners get into the World Series. And of the National League teams, obviously, I have such a soft spot in my heart for the Giants and but, you know, Giant fans, you've had three recent World Series. I would love to see Buck Showalter, who I've always loved, finally get his title. Uh, the same thing with Melvin. You know, these are these are two managers who have brought multiple postseason appearances to different franchises. I mean, Showalter has taken the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, the and the Orioles to the postseason. And Melvin has managed the Diamondbacks and the Oakland A's to the postseason and neither of them have a pennant to their name. So it would be nice to see one of them finally get off the schneid there. But uh, I just think it's LA's and LA versus uh, Toronto. And I think that'd be a hell of a world series. And I'm just picking the Dodgers to win. Yeah. That's probably where I'm leaning right now, but Hey, we could save our predictions for yeah, next just week. an early one, early one. Yeah. Early one. Um, right, I, hey, I, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say the last team that I'm probably keeping my eye on for next season out the National League is the Colorado Rockies, who have mm-hmm. these World Series expectations. Dick Monfort saying we're putting a World Series product on the field this season, and we think we're going to go out there and win it all. Uh, we'll see what happens with when you build around Chris Bryant. I think he's going to be a depreciating asset over the next few years, and I don't exactly love that long-term contract. No, I think they're going to be better than people think. But, I, you know, I, you know we had Paul Holden on last week, and – pointed out that if the Rockies were even mediocre on the road, they would have been a playoff contender. But that's a lot of ifs right there. Yeah. D-backs or Rockies for fourth? I'd I'd pick D-backs right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, Sully. Okay, Sully. Say that with your chest, Sully. D-backs be fourth (laughs) place. And then Um, then softer than the last uh, The way too early predictions, I think that – Division winners are going to be Toronto, Chicago, 
Seattle. Oh, we're going division winners right now. Uh, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. And three wildcard teams, I think, will be uh, Tampa Bay. uh, uh, Let's see, Tampa Bay, Houston, and uh, the Rays. I think we're going to see both the Red Sox and the Yankees miss the postseason altogether. Uh, for the you first say time, Tampa Bay and the Rays. Tampa, oh no, Tampa Bay and uh, 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 the Astros. I meant to uh, say, and Houston. And then, what <laughs> you said, like Tampa Bay. Wait, Rays, no, wait, with my three wild card teams, I said <laughs> were Tampa Bay, Houston. Do I have a throw? I didn't have a third one. Yeah, you keep saying I Houston, keep, I keep, Astros, the Rays. You just say you know I'll, say the Yankee, I'll say the Yankees. Okay. Just so Yankee haters don't get on me. Here we go. I picked. The there Yankees. we go. There we go. Um, even though I don't believe that, and I have to give it, these aren't my official picks. Uh, uh, I think the Mets are going to win the East. Uh, I'm going to pick St. Louis in the Central, Woo. LA, and then and I think Milwaukee, Atlanta, and uh, San Francisco uh, will be the other wild card teams. Wow, San Fran. Yeah, yeah. My dad's right. my dad's still in control. Okay. All right. Well, hey, look at we we banked two of them. Hopefully, the sound turned out. Hey, uh, I had some sound issues with the Connor Newcomb episode. Those we listened to it. I'm sorry. Hopefully, those were fixed for this one. Uh, Miller Thomas, where can people find you? At Creator <clears throat> at Creator mm. Thomas 24. I had to you know clear the throat a little bit. At Creator Thomas 24 for my personal account, or just go in that search bar and type in Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And uh, for us, you can go to Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, this is your Monday and Tuesday crossover with Miller Thomas, which apparently has become quite popular. Some people have said they love our crossovers. So, you know, what better way to sell some athletic greens than to get together and do two of these? This has been Locked On MLB. Crossing over with Locked On Diamondbacks. He's Miller Thomas. I'm Paul Francis. Let's fist pump this. Please, you can call me that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing. So thank you for doing that. Please come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!